man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with Extended Clip. Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 87. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And today's double feature, uh, we're going to be talking about Wheels on Meals, the 1984 film by Sam L. Hung with Jackie Chan, and Loverboy, the 1989 film by Joan Micklin Silver uh, with Patrick Dempsey. And, you know, we've all worked in the food industry. We all love the 80s. We all love love. And so that's why I picked this double feature. I, I really do love the 80s. I, I really, when VH1 brings their series back, I love the 80s. I hope to that we could be talking heads, giving like comments on like Eurythmics or whatever band or whatnot. But I, I enjoyed these movies. No, yeah. Uh, Loverboy had that classic 80s comedy feel that I've actually kind of grown to to like in like recent months it's been something that i've been attracted to and wheels on meals i haven't seen a lot of jackie chan but every t- you know everything i've seen it's been enjoyable and you know you get sammo hung in the mix you know you get some food truck antics it, you know it was a good time yeah i uh wheels on meals coincidentally i had just watched it like i think last month and it was a delight to return to it so quickly it's like all those like Hong Kong like action comedies are just like such a fun hangout vibe that I can just throw on anytime. Absolutely. And this one is not set in Hong Kong, uh, set in Barcelona, this film by Sammo Hung. And we should also say that Yuen Bao is the uh, the co-star alongside Jackie Chan. Uh, they play Thomas and David who live together in a bedroom that has two window or two doors rather. Uh, which is used several times for visual gags throughout. Uh, and they run this fast food truck in Barcelona. And I guess at this point in time, uh, Sam Hung said that the action stars were so popular in Hong Kong that they couldn't just like walk down the street without getting noticed. And he wanted to make a film out in the streets and, you know, more open than just the just constrained to the sets that they had available. So they went to Spain and they reimagined Barcelona in the image of 80s Hong Kong cinema. And the result was beautiful. Yeah, they really made the town their own. You know what I mean? They're really just zipping around it. You know, they're, they're, they're really using, they're really creating their own Barcelona. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I guess officials are very, you know, welcoming uh, to the production and because just shooting on the streets the way they do and just pulling off these insane stunts that you just feel like they're so constrained to the studios of Hong Kong from all the other movies you've watched. So seeing them with just like Spanish extras walking in the background, kind of just like not knowing what's going on was kind of surreal for me. I know this isn't the only Hong Kong film that takes place outside. There's a, an autumn afternoon by Mabel Chung, which takes place in New York city. And I, I think a lot of like Hong Kong films that take place outside of Hong Kong are very interesting for reasons such as that. No, I also like that it doesn't really have anything to do with Spain at all besides, you know, the reason yeah. that they wanted to shoot on the streets. It's just, they're like, let's just get some, you know, people from Spain involved. Because it really it really is like a narrative that could fit anywhere. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's very specifically Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, Sammo Hung is this like dopey private dick, but not actually a private dick. He just kind of assumes the role of his boss and he's always decked out in these great clothes and oh stuff. Oh my God. All of these fits. I mean, one, I like his hair in this. <laughs> I made like uh, a tweet about this a while ago, but like it really, Sammo really reminds me in this. There was a kid I knew from like elementary school into high school who like at one elementary school birthday party he got like he got just naked for no reason and started dancing um but then since like post high school he's become like a born again baptist and does a lot of videos on facebook where he'll like wear a do rag and like sometimes there's like a ken's salad dressing like in the background i've really noticed in on where he'll like talk about how like Catholics practice idolatry <laughs> talked about being addicted to masturbation <laughs> and, um, it's really awesome stuff but like Sam Hung I mean he really elevates the look though um, aside from the the Jerry curl hair he has um, like the all black suit with the white tie oh, oh my god it's beautiful and, and I, I should give a little more on the Sylvia character played by Laura Foreigner or sorry Lola Foreigner Uh yeah, she is like a, uh, they think she's a prostitute and then she's actually just working as a prostitute, but picking the pockets of uh, men who try to, you know, procure her services. She eventually uh, joins the food cart lifestyle and, you know, uh, Jackie and Yuan Bao teach her how to, you know, skateboard and stuff. All the skating in this is awesome too. Like Jackie Chan on a skateboard just... I don't know. It's it's beautiful. No, yeah, there's a lot lot they do a lot of fun stuff in this movie. It seems like these characters live a real fun lifestyle. They're going to the club, they're skating everywhere, you know, they're um yeah, like you mentioned that scene where Jackie Chan is like skating around like this marketplace taking everyone's order. It's like it's so great just to see him just kind of weave through these people, you know. Yeah. You know, see see that he's real familiar with the community. The, yeah, that's part of that first like introduction of the procedural of them working at the food cart. You know, you get that big like, digital screen uh, showing the wings of the food cart like opening up and stuff. Uh, it's like the the food cart is like a mech or something like that that Yuan Bao is controlling. And then, of course, Jackie just like, I don't know, just making his way through these crowded uh, tables and stuff on the skateboard. Just incredible effortless action. Uh, The choreography here, I guess, is directed by or it's like the action is directed by Jackie Chan. But I feel like it's not so cut and dry, having seen not that much by both, but even like. You know, a classic Jackie movie like Police Story and then having just seen something like Pedicab Driver by Sam Hung a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the differences in their choreography style are there, obviously, but uh, I feel like it's not maybe so cut and dry of Jackie did the action, Samo did everything yeah. else on this movie. Yeah. It might be more blended than that. From what I know, and I think this is a very, you know, very basic thing, you know, to say, but like Jackie's action is very like kind of like they'll do like long takes and you can see the action unfold in front of you where there's a lot of like uh cuts and i think it's still good like a lot of cuts I, I noticed like the cuts are pretty much just like very focused uh on hit just going hit 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 trying mm-hmm. to pack in as much hits as possible and you know when you said the 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 action is effortless in this movie it really is like that is you know it, it is just like uh jackie and ewan just kind of like 
you know, rolling around Spain, just winning every fight that they can. Like yeah. they're, they're undefeated really. And Samo's action True. is great too. You know, maybe not fully unleashed like a pedicab driver or something like that. Uh, letting the two stars of the show really shine. But of course, uh, Samo definitely gets his duel as we get into the third act. Each of these characters kind of has their own little duel well, you and Bao is captured right away uh, while the other two are having their own little duel. If only it was, you know, cross cut just a little better, it would have been like the most perfect kind of action cinema possible. But it's still an incredible climax when we get to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean, you covered pretty much like the long and short of it, except for like the Thomas's, or is it David or Thomas? One of their, the dad that's mm. in the institution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they could see. <laughs> Ewan Bao's dad at a mental institution as well, which plays a part in it. There's like a couple characters that hang out there that they talk to a few times. And, you know, I'd like to just give a shout out to the mental health advocates of Hong Kong <laughs> cinema. <laughs> no, I, I love I love this piece because, you know, people might say, you know, it's a little problematic depictions of, uh, you know, people <laughs> suffering from mental illness. But you look at uh, Ewan's dad and, you know, he's doing pretty well for himself. He has a nice, you know, woman that he had intends to marry. You know, he seems to be doing better than, you know, the younger counterparts than come to visit him. So and like <laughs> some of the, the depictions of mental illness are so cartoonishly removed from any yeah, real I thing mean, yeah. that it's not like it's uh, so like the guy who is just a clock. Like, like a metronome <laughs> that gag is so fucking funny yeah <laughs> that is very silly well it's just i mean it just goes to show you like this uh this movie's you know is really kind of like spring loaded with you know comedic set pieces so anywhere that they're going to go it's going to be a comedic set piece including you know mental mental health hospital and weirdly enough it is kind of like all tied together uh the plot you know uh th that woman that yuan bao's dad is going to marry her daughter is sylvia that's how we properly introduce her uh that's why i was kind of stumbling up top i forgot which subplot she's introduced through yeah uh, because sammo hung also is on a mission to find uh, like her as a private detective. And so she is actually a countess of some sort in line to inherit money or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they find that out like towards the end, like because she grew up, um, she had to become a thief because her mother was in an institution mm. very young. And then like they find out that like account like took advantage of her mother and so she's actually yeah it's it's oh, very yes, convoluted oh yes i remember yeah now i remember <laughs> <laughs> all that all that matters is that this leads to you know some great long fighting sequences Absolutely. yeah no yeah. the goal kind of pivots to everyone protecting sylvia's mother the woman that you and Bao's dad wants to marry and they go back to this castle and uh the bad guy uh Monda mondale i think is like the big heavy and he has his goons and they all as I said earlier, uh, Jackie has his fight. His fight is with this guy, Benny Yerquides, who's like a kickboxer. And uh, they had another fight in another movie uh, a few years after this. But their fight is incredible. Uh, just like that very 
forward momentum style kickboxing uh, attack of Benny Yerquides. Like there's a shot where he also extinguishes a bunch of candles with his kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, he's just so straight ahead and Jackie kind of just like teasing at him slightly while still also having to defend pretty hardcore. Yeah, Jackie gets the shit kicked out of him for yeah. a good bit of it. That's really fun to see. Yeah, it makes for... Uh, w- one of the most incredible fights in the movie for sure. No. Yeah. I love like kind of the, like you said, the forward momentum and like the length of that fight. And I also kind of like you and bios, you know, very different fighting style where he's kind of like, uh, you know, hiding behind couches yeah. and jumping over <laughs> the, just trying you know, basically playing running away and getting his hits in while he can, while there's like a much more competent fighter. Who's like kind of just getting him before every turn. But yeah, I mean, we get a lot of different fighting styles here. Everybody fights differently. I'm going totally out of order here, but I love the lead up to those fights too because when they first go to the castle, Yuan Bao gets captured pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's climbing up a rope and they basically see him climbing up the rope and just grab the other end of it so he's gonna fall down uh, and then yeah, he manages to squirm around and play defense enough, you know. But so while he is captive, there's like a 15 minute part of the movie where it's just Jackie and Samo going stealth mode through the castle kind of. And it's really incredible leading up to each of them having their own fight. And Samo, of course, going pole fighting mode, <laughs> uh, grabbing some like. I love the move that Samo does in that buildup where he like puts like the metal like thing on his shoe to just kick someone in the teeth out. Oh, Amazing. No, yeah, Samo has this real scrappy fighting style. You yeah. Know, out of the three fighting styles we've described, he's the real, you know, he's the one who'll do anything to win. You know? it, and it's funny just watching this after seeing something like Pedicab Driver and knowing that he can kick as much ass as the other two guys. Yeah. Absolutely. But they had to restrain him as like the slight comic relief. The character is a private detective. He's not a, you know, guy mm-hmm. who trains martial arts every day before running his food cart. <laughs> uh, and that first training sequence when you uh, and Bao and Jackie wake up before they go to work, uh, right after the opening is really awesome too. I I love how it just kind of like settles you into this very kind of low key. I don't know because it's not like a training sequence like you would usually see in a movie because it's just like their daily routine kind of. Yeah. (laughs) And then of course that's called back to during Jackie's fight where his key to winning is just that treating it like a training session. Where he's, you know, doing his warm-ups while he's fighting this kickboxing champion who's becoming slightly confused by this. And, you know, the lack of pretense, you know, not treating it like it's the final boss of this castle, but treating it like it's every day warming up with his boy is what lets him win. No, that, you know, that's a that's a real good vibe there, you know, Mm. that it's going for. Like, because like those opening kind of training sequences, they feel... You know, of course, you know, the training aspect of it is there, but it's almost more brotherly. It kind of just shows mm. how well they get along and, you know, how Jackie applies that to the final fight makes the, you know, his competitor not want to, you know, kill him. It's just like, oh, we're having such a good fight. I just want to keep going, you know, <laughs> treating it like a training session. You know, that's that's the ultimate goal, you know, f- you know, just to talk about our enemies. In real life, we we all hope to become friends with them. That's that's the real goal. Yeah, we just want to fight enough till we're actually friends at the end of it. Yeah, we just like to spar. You know, yeah. we're just some wild boys who love to spar. Go a few rounds with Griffin Newman, but yeah. at the end of the day, hey, maybe we'll crack a beer. 
I forgot about the boxing challenge for charity. <laughs> yeah, for oh, charity. charity. I forgot about that too. Yeah. yeah. See, that's just Jackie Chan mindset. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I actually identified with the with the henchmen uh, with their first confrontation when it was the dirt bikes uh, because, frankly. <laughs> I, it, as great as it was to see Jackie skating through those crowds and those steps on, uh, you know, on a skateboard, it is way funnier to see all those people get pissed off because there's people riding dirt bikes through them. <laughs> <laughs> and the dirt bike stunts are all really good, too. Yeah. Hey, but they were getting exhaust in the food truck, man. Exactly. They, they got what was coming to them. You can't place. <laughs> you can't mess with a place of commerce. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know about you. The ethos of extended clip is maybe being called into question here. I prefer leisure to commerce for <laughs> motorcycle riding and hanging with the boys. No. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel well. You know, we don't need to get into the, the phil- <laughs> philosophical. We don't need to focus on this too much. <laughs> We don't need to get into this. <laughs> I'm giving this one four bullets. I, I think it's really great. Um, I hate that I watched Pedicab Driver, one of the great movies, like a few weeks ago because my standards may have been a little higher for Samo. But uh, as I said earlier, it is a great blend of both of their styles. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch more Hong Kong action movies. And this was uh, an absolute delight. I think... One fight is better than the next. The stakes obviously rise accordingly. And uh, yeah, I I just think like as tossed off as the narrative is, uh, the precision of the action is 10 times, you know, more important than that. Uh, So yeah, four bullets. No, yeah, I'm going to go four bullets as well. Yeah, this is a good blend of action comedy. I I haven't seen a Sammo Hung movie. Actually, wait. Did he direct Eastern Condors? I think he I did. think so, yeah. Yeah, so wait, I have seen a Sam Hung movie, but you know, I'm not too familiar with his work, and I feel like, you know, this is, you know, getting cause the Eastern Condors, you know, had some jokes, but this one's obviously more comedy focused, and just to see Samo kind of set up these these gags, you know, kind of like the Italian man running from his wife and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and just uh all the like kind of like sexual tension jokes between Jackie Yuan and Sylvia. You know, it's all really funny and then you know, you match that with like a you know, hefty amount of well choreographed uh, fight scenes. You know, it's just real entertaining stuff. Uh, JT, yeah, what do you I'm, think? I'm tossing up four bullets as well. Uh, this is a great movie. I mean, I feel like I'm in a similar uh, ish position to both of you fellas, where it's like I am just now like getting into more Samo and Jackie uh, diving in, but this is a great representation of blending them together and I love how the three different personalities um, sort of shine through in this and there is so much comedy drawn from that one scene that I don't think we mentioned because it's like less action heavy but I love all the set pieces that take place where it's like Yuen, Bao and Jackie and Sylvia in the house Yeah, especially (laughs) when um, they're like trying to like do like good cop bad cop or good cop, horny cop, <laughs> um, when they're like, oh, you stole our money. And like Yuen Bao is just so against like even remotely pushing Sylvia on <laughs> yeah. the slightest about it. And Jackie has to be the muscle. It's like, I don't know, such a great play of personalities. Each set piece like ups the next and uh, great flick. Yeah, Jackie, Jackie put his foot down. He said, stop simping. Stop. <laughs> just stop doing it. <laughs> I can't I can't see you do this anymore. Man. <laughs> Not in front of me. We'll be right back on extended clip.
人在街坊慢慢行，我却以我全力去飞奔。本领共热情在冲，本分跳的心，我那在有时候去伤感。就是在路途上一不小心摔倒。And we're back on extended clip. It's Malcolm in the Middle, everybody's favorite segment.、Uh, Malcolm, have you watched anything noteworthy in the last few days since we last recorded? Yeah, you know, matter of fact, I did this time. Sometimes I don't, and I, I talk about some real, some real junk, some real crap. But this time,、uh, you know, ever since you know Jackass, they're making another one. But ever since Jackass Three, we, we're a little bit hungry. We want you know, we want some anarchic stunts. You know, we want that style back, and so I decided to give Bad Trip a watch, starring、uh, Eric Andre, Lil Rel High Ray, Tiffany Haddish, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. I was kind of—I don't know what I was—I was expecting to like it, but、uh, I don't know some of the gags that,、uh, mostly what Andre does. He really kind of—he pushes it to places I don't—you know—I didn't exactly expect him to push.、Um, It's particularly the zoo sketch is.、Uh, I love that sketch. <laughs> I think I talked about it. <laughs> One of my、uh, favorite scenes of 2020. Yeah, Eric Andre getting sexually assaulted by a gorilla in front of a crowd. Definitely, that's definitely high comedy value right there. So yeah, it is. It is like、uh, it's pushing. It's not. It's less. You know, with Jackass, right? They're doing the stunts and kind of part of the spectacle is that they're putting their body in danger. You don't have that here. It's more like、um, there's like this kind of like loose plot. That's strung together of like、uh, Eric Andre and Lil Rel Howery going to New York to see a, a, a crush of Eric Andre's, and you know a lot of the antics that they get into along the way, and、uh, they just do ridiculous things unfold in public, and they just kind of shock people in the public, and so you kind of get those great reaction shots of people going like, "Huh," you know, and it, it's that that's pretty funny, you know. It it kind of reminds me of like a.、Uh, Because like the plot is kind of almost similar to like,、uh, I mean, aside from the mall part, kind of like billion dollar movie, but it's kind of like you know, Tim, like Freddie got fingered, billion dollar movie, kind of like these road trip, self discovery type movies, and like, in, but in, instead of you know you being shocked watching it, you get to have the audience identification of seeing people being like, oh, so it's like a little bit different, and maybe I value kind of like、um, the former a little bit more than the latter, but. I mean, I got some huge belly laughs, and that's that's when you all boils down to it. That's what's you know matters for comedy. So、yeah. I had a good time. Yeah, I like similarly. I, I have pretty similar feelings to you on that regard. I was really surprised at how well. I mean, it's obviously not impossible, but like that they're able to incorporate the <laughs> and like shocked reaction, like people who didn't know that they were filming while it was happening, how they are. Able to incorporate them into the plot, sort of. Yeah. Like I think one example that was really, really funny to me is when Eric Andre early on is sort of doing like a musical bit, and he starts singing to a guy who he's like telling his problems to. It's like the guy giving him advice is just sort of. I mean, it's like、yeah. it's clearly stuff that they could predict beforehand, where it's like, oh, Eric Andre talks to a guy about like a like talks to a stranger about like. Being in love with a girl, like clearly he's going to give him some sort of advice. But I think it's neat how they weave that together to sort of build the loose thread of the film. No, yeah, they really commit to that idea, and it, it, yeah, it pays off. But Eddie, do you watch anything? I bet you watch things. Honestly, no. 
<laughs> I have I have been so swamped with fucking bullshit. I I guess I've been watching stuff for class, but I hate talking about that. And you know, I watched a little bit of football. Uh, oh, Malcolm yeah. introduced me to the wonderful television program Baggage. I <laughs> uh, watched a couple episodes of that as well. Um, I'm I'm really just gonna just go through TV shows. Okay, so I watched a couple episodes of Baggage. I really liked that. It, it, we talked about it a little on the Patreon about Michael Cimino, but uh, Jerry Springer hosts this show where contestants have, you know, things about them that might hold back a romantic partner, you know, their baggage. And uh, I don't know, the things that people choose to unveil in that versus the information that they offer up about themselves in the interview portions is always striking to me. You know, I, I found uh, this one episode very interesting where uh, by the end of the episode in the little interviews, you learned that one of these guys is a former IDF soldier <laughs> who served despite not believing in God. Like he was like, that was one of his baggages was like, I don't believe in God. But his explanation was, but I still served for the Israeli Defense Force. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other guy is a landlord who has like 15 properties across America and he like asks the girl to join his empire or something <laughs> like that. But uh, his baggage, I think, was like that he makes women cook and clean or something like that. But uh, it's just like, you know, that's bad. But like being a landlord is worse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also have watched quite a few old golf tournaments. There's quite a few of those on YouTube. I like looking at it through the years, the stylistic upgrades that they make throughout because it is funny because they have to be very like restrained. Like this is something that an older audience watches. So you watch like football or basketball broadcasts and the incorporation of graphics. They'll try like newer things kind of golf. You just get those classic helicopter shots going through the greens that slowly transitioned into drone shots over the years, you know? And, um, I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe it's the old conservative white man in me, but there's nothing <laughs> nothing uh, nothing on broadcast TV that's quite as like pleasing as golf because <laughs> I don't know. Uh they they just know how to shoot those courses. Uh and uh I don't know, just watch some old masters broadcasts on YouTube. You'll just the fact that it's <laughs> the tournament is called The Masters it yeah. should be uh, enough that like, golf is like Whoa. the most problematic thing that I like. Uh, no, golf is very racist. Golf yeah. has an incredibly racist history. You know, I was going to say golf has that classical, you know, it's like that classic Hollywood style. Yeah. You know, real uh, It's always going to be there. Yeah, the yeah. set design will always be there. <laughs> and you know, I mean, you know, if we're going to call out golf for being evil, Baggage, you know, pretty evil show. <laughs> Baggage is, is one a of pretty the most <laughs> evil shows on Never watched, <laughs> and I love Jerry Springer as the host there because every piece of baggage that you know, you know, any guy or girl presents, he has to be, he has to be like to the you know the person who chooses between the contestants. They have to like that's really bad, huh? When it's like, yeah, I don't know, just like if if you're like broke or just do anything different, just like it's just like if you're not like a clean cut guy who has like a a ton of money, they're like, oh, you're, you can, what, what are you doing there? Um, so it is, it is funny just to see Jerry in, in devil mode. And, uh, yeah. And it's always, it's always, you know, I've noticed cause I've watched a couple episodes myself this week 
and like it always boils down to like there's like a guy who's like i'm a psychopath like i will i'm gonna cheat on you and the guy's another one is gonna be like i have a small penis and i suck at sex and then usually the woman chooses i guess i i don't want to i'll choose the psychopath guy that's how that's how it usually the ends. psychopath with a big penis it's yeah it's it presents all personality types and it boils down to like a guy who can't fuck and a, a guy who will probably kill you later on in life uh, yeah I, the episode i watched last night she first eliminates the guy who's uh, like upon seeing his briefcase that says i have a tiny penis <laughs> and then it always does like a little confessional after they get eliminated which is also shot on video and in cinemascope despite the rest of the show being in proper hd widescreen uh very weird stylistic choice but he basically just says that he's a shower, not a grower. He's like, you know, really, they didn't let me finish. It's tiny when it's sleeping, but when it wakes up, it's always big. And I'm just like, dude, that doesn't mean you have a tiny penis. <laughs> yeah. How did this yeah. game show let, like talk you into announcing to America that you have a tiny penis? I think it must be a slap that like, we need a fall guy, tiny <laughs> penis guy. Go out there and lie about your penis size. <laughs> JT, I know you watch movies, uh, right? And unlike unlike Eddie, who's Mister Mister TV over here, you watch movies, right? I watch movies so much. Sometimes I watch the same movie twice. <laughs> uh, um, I'm so sorry. I skipped ahead of you too. No, no, no I just changed the order. Yeah, Malcolm, I just changed just the order. To you. I didn't yeah, even okay. notice. I was so excited to talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. TV. <laughs> We're going natural. Just pass it around. Yeah, in everyone's favorite segment. Sometimes we can like we can loosen it up a little bit, change yeah. it. Um. But yeah, I rewatched uh, Total Recall um, for the second time within the span of like two or three weeks because um, I just got this beautiful 4K disc Ooh. and uh, it is amazing. Like when I first watched Total Recall, I was like, okay, this is pretty good. It wasn't that high in my estimation of Verhoeven's, but like it's an all-timer for me now, a real true blue classic. I love the way, I mean, throughout, like, Schwarzenegger's career, I feel like he's utilized to pretty, like, at his best to really funny means, um, just, like, the the way he is as a performer, like, physicality and just how he dwarfs people um, on, like, on screen, it's, like, really funny to see, and I think, like, Total Recall is probably, and I want to, like, this is emboldening me to do a, a larger project where Schwarzenegger is one of the actors I'd like to see the entire filmography of uh, because he's just an interesting body to see on screen. But I think of what I've seen so far, uh, Verhoeven utilizes him in my favorite way because it gets sort of like a lot of the studio comedies Schwarzenegger was in. <laughs> uh a lot of the studio comedies that Schwarzenegger was in, I feel like kind of the the joke or like what part of what's funny is that it's like he is playing the everyman and he is this swollen like beast of a person that is nothing like anything you could encounter in real life. Um, but Verhoeven's doing that, but also like combining his like action chops. And I feel like that works really well for what Verhoeven is doing in Total Recall. And I mean the large extent of his American films is like combining genre work with like really, really funny satire and just the way Verhoeven's like 
vision of the future plays out. It's so much of the set design is beautiful. Uh, it's real fun. There's a lot of um, the scenes that take place on Mars where it's just like soaked in a deep red. Mm. That looks fantastic. Um, yeah, Total Recall is a classic. No, you're saying about Schwarzenegger and kind of like, you know, studio comedies plugging him in and like every man situations and that's being kind of like the comedy. It's like, oh, he's not the, you know, the big meathead. He Like that's kind of like the same idea, you know, basically they're using now with like the rock or like dave mm-hmm. bautista it's kind of it's kind of uh shitty that they're still just cycling through that same idea i mean i feel yeah. like i mean i am also a fan of dave bautista yeah. i feel like he will have one really really great yeah. movie and i'm waiting for it <laughs> I, I i remember enjoying central intelligence uh <laughs> kevin hart in the rock 2015 i feel Check like when out. we started this podcast every studio comedy had a wrestler in it and that has slowly <laughs> faded yeah. away yeah, true. like uh blockers comes to mind yeah people like talking about how good john cena is and something and it's like i would like to see him and stuff but at the same time it's like i feel like people were also kind of hyping themselves up yeah you know I, mean, I mean the i mean i yeah. think what differentiates schwarzenegger from that ilk oh, yeah, is that he like um his his facial expressions are so vivid. I mean, yeah. that's what and he's like, a good actor. Yeah, <laughs> that's what people like, like classically have memed and soundboarded out of Total Recall is like that he'll like distort his face and like make his eyebrows go crazy. And I love it every damn time. The Rock should learn a thing or two about <laughs> what you can do with your eyebrows and your face from a powerful politician. We'll be right back on extended clip. Let's talk about Lover Boy. The way you wear your hat, the way you sip your tea, the memory of all that. Oh, no, sometimes, they sometimes. Can't take on the, the Ask Steve segments. The way your I mean, smile that a couple just of times where it's... That in original cadence for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes we turn to the news. That's our <laughs> classic. You just you pull up what's trending, you take a look, you riff things out from there. Anyway, we're back on extended clips. Sorry for that, including part of that production meeting in the episode. Uh, JT, would you mind closing the window? Of course. It's too much action outside. This is is definitely the most window action we've had in an episode in quite some time. Yeah, everyone's rioting outside ever (laughs) since Joe Biden took the helm. It seems like nothing's safe anymore. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about Loverboy by the late, great Joan Micklin Silver, the recently departed. Um, This is a 1989 film with Patrick Dempsey, and it's about what happens when you get a job as a pizza boy. Let's see, Randy is a college student, and he has a little fight with his girlfriend, Uh, he's hiding her from his dad, Uh, and then his dad comes to pick him up from college, he's messing up at college, spending all his dad's money on that tuition, so his dad says, no, you gotta gotta start your life now, get a job, so you... Well, start my real life. How bad could it be? Yeah, what kind of cheese you want on that? Um... But, uh, you know, after after a big, bald encounter with a woman who he thought was flirting with him, uh, he's actually picked up on by a very rich and powerful MILF who who leads him into the world of sex work uh, within his pizza job. And, uh, you know, the extra anchovies are ordered 
and the comically large sombrero and uh, mustache are thrown out for the pimp uniform, uh, or really the uh, you know <laughs> the gigolo uniform. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice romp. It's a nice sex comedy. It's uh, it's kind of just what the doctor ordered, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you were to meet me when I was eighteen, like. This would be the exact fantasy of my perfect life. Like, <laughs> this is exactly yeah. what I wanted. So I enjoyed the wish fulfillment of seeing that come true in this movie. And it's just like, I mean, I think what uh, ties these two films together other than just uh, service work is like great choreography and blocking. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was thinking about that. I watched this before I... Uh, the the Sammo Hung movie, but just watching th- those scenes where Patrick Dempsey is just like leaping across the frame, <laughs> uh, you know, wh- whether he's just getting from point A to point B in a funny way or doing it for the sake of drama, uh, it all seems very effortless and uh, effortless in a very different way than obviously the Sammo Hung ones, yeah. uh, but in a way where Sicklin's uh, or sorry Silver's direction is. I don't know. It doesn't call attention to itself, it's, but it's always very slick. It's it's so lighthearted, and it's yeah. so like, uh, it's so it's so lighthearted that it yeah. like surprises you when the mise en scene is as incredible as it is at certain points. Yeah, and it's it's all about like the comedic flourishes too. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that's what it's all about, and it's a great role for Dempsey, who you know. I'm not too familiar with his film work. I know he was in like some hospital show, but I, you know, as a, as a young horny pizza man, you know, pizza gigolo, he, you know, he turns the swag on in this movie and it, Absolutely. it is and it's in, very funny. It's very funny stuff. And you're, you know, you're talking about wish for, you know, when you're 18, I'll take this job now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, a, kind of a, a controversial statement. I know, <laughs> I know most people would kind of shudder at that lifestyle, but, uh, you know, I'd be willing to do that. Uh, you know, it, it is. It's it's funny that um, the first I kind of like how like this is all set into place that, as you mentioned, where Dempsey's out on a delivery and like he sees a woman crossing the street and they lock eyes and kind of uh, flirt without talking. And then he tracks her down in this. Uh, um, what do you call it? In like this department store. She rejects him. But, you know, he finds another woman. I was thinking like this is just the other side of the dress to kill cruising yeah. scene <laughs> where instead of the perspective of the you know woman in the museum we got the guy who just showed up looking for some <laughs> you know for some action even even while on the clock <laughs> yeah that's the one part of this film that uh the nerds would get mad at is how does his boss never realize like how long he's gone for one delivery business is booming it's everyone's true. everyone's or- <laughs> everyone's ordering the extra anchovies and you know, I think at the beginning, there's a, a gag and, uh, you know, you being an L.A. resident, you know, I'm sure you got pleasure out of the geography mentioned mm. where he's like, I got to go deliver a pizza to Costa Mesa or yeah. whatever. And it's just, you know, the woman who wanted to have an appointment with him ordering that. So, you know, she could take as long as she'd like. And, uh, you know, so there's 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 some stuff for the IMDb goof section Absolutely. editors out there, you know, to dispel them. I, I only brought that up because yeah. it did give me a genuine sense of panic that so many like restaurant workplace movies do when they're good uh, because, you know, I'm so used to that. Uh, so like. When he's talking to the woman, I just kept thinking, all right, the next line is him gonna is him saying, okay, I have to get back to work. 
That's that time to lean, time to clean mentality. Exactly. The man got to me at a young age. He's <laughs> never let up. Uh, it's also fun. It's a weird like workplace that he hangs out with. He has his friend with the bleached spiky hair uh, who is like jealous of how much sex he's having. And there's also the Italian guy that tosses the pizza that all the girls that visit the restaurant want to have sex with without knowing that, you know, they're giving their order to a gigolo to the to the highest class milfs in Beverly Hills. <laughs> also funny that only super attractive women call for his services. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's where the real people would be like, is this how is this how it goes down? Is this is there a market for this? I mean, hey, I don't know. I don't know how that world works. Hey, baby, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. magic. Who cares? Yeah, no, yeah. You know, speaking of the the blonde, you know, bleached blonde kid, I kind of at first he's a little bit sour, but honestly, he 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 takes the role of the pimp. He starts pimping him out. You know, he, and he's you know he's like, I like the part where they're, uh, and this is eventually you know leads to their downfall. But they're like, we're even accepting credit card now. It's like, come on, it's these ladies don't need to go to the ATM. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's, he's he's business mindset. He made the the best out of a, well, a certain we, situation. We end up seeing that having the business mindset does lead to their downfall. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a it's. I don't want to say it's predictable in, in that sense because the things that it telegraphs are like, okay, yeah, you could kind of see it coming, but there's also so many subplots running through this that come together in a kind of perfectly farcical way in the third act. Oh, that's that amazing. Really, it really took me by surprise how uh, Joan Micklin Silver is able to weave all of these little asides together, or they felt like asides, but ended up actually being subplots you know uh and I, I think it's a really smart script in that regard and as these threads are coming together the cross-cutting intensifies and she throws in some more like dutch angles and stuff like that and uh by by the end of the film as it's like ramping up the filmmaking is fully like firing on all cylinders still while not calling all that much attention to itself yeah i mean i would definitely like co-sign that like it's a really intelligent script aside from what you're mentioning about how it weaves together like so many different points that like i had forgotten like from the beginning but uh, aside from that i think it strikes something like a really surprising tone for a movie that it's about a young boy getting so much milf pussy. It's like so sincere and like sweet and not like too fucking cutesy about it. Like, I mean, he's like teaching himself like Fred Astaire style dance moves (laughs) at one point and is like, just like, Oh yeah, no, but they're nice people. These milfs that I'm fucking. And it's like, I I, I don't know. it's, It's such, I mean, with something so unrealistic, I'm just surprised it walked that like fine line of not being annoying. I don't know about unrealistic. <laughs> also, I, I, out there. I, I think the sincere tone and the title lover boy both come from his real motivation, which is that he's in love with his girlfriend who broke up with him. And he thinks, which is, you know, one of the great, uh, softcore pornographic plot lines running through this movie. He thinks that pounding all of this milf pussy will make him a better nineteen-year-old boyfriend. Will it though? It might. Will I think. It? It, I think. I think it might. I think that's. Well, that's. I think that's what's very funny and great about this movie is that like, kind of what you're saying about like it being you know very sincere and stuff like that's just kind of a product of 
like no caricatures being drawn with mm. kind of like yeah. um you know especially you know the milf clients that hire the lover boy and it's you know it's very attentive you know it's a lot, a lot of it's out of neglect or kind of uh you know uh, angry that their husband's cheating too mm. or whatever but and like kind of i like um beginning you know just when we see him go house to house because it's like a fun la movie kind of the appeal of la you get to see everyone's you know nice house and whatnot you'd go in house to house and then but it, like you said it is filled with meaning as like all these husbands of the wives he's going to wraps back around and kind of like as they plan to chase him in the back half yeah. of the movie and like i guess you know some of those guys are a little caricature heavy but it's all i mean it's all it's all for humor yeah no that's yeah, yeah, great yeah. i mean like playing off of that and like that was one of the things that caught me by surprise is like you hear like these milfs lament their terrible husbands some you see like earlier and some you don't but it's just like you that's like could very clearly just be perceived as like oh necessary setup to understand like the environment of the hookups but the way she brings it in and the at the end with just the the cuck car cavalcade trying to like hunt down the, this pizza boy is so fucking funny that oh like the God. concept of three cuckolded men just pissed off in a car is so funny and i love the first time one of those men is kind of on to it that his wife is you know cheating with someone that he can maybe potentially track down uh he runs into uh randy's dad at the bar who then laments to him that he thinks his son is gay which is kind of the plot line with his parents that runs throughout this movie uh because he is you know getting fitted for suits by men and he has his ex-girlfriend's suitcase full of her clothes and uh, he's very secretive and stuff like that. Uh, his parents think he's gay, so their arc is like whether or not they're going to accept him uh, leading up to the climax, which ends up actually having some, like, despite being fully farcical and playing it as a joke, like one person knows something that the other person doesn't, being the comedic setup. Uh, a few scenes between Randy and his mother are played very affectionately, and, like, I, I don't know, it, it strikes a very sincere tone while also being quite funny because it's like, ha, she thinks he's gay, you know? But yeah. it's also, like, very sweet. No, yeah, it's it's almost, you know, it, it's a elevated version of the Call Me By Your Name scene or whatever. With the, Oh, the end of Call Me yeah, By Your Name where yeah. the serious man says, like, yeah. I, <laughs> I was you once, my boy. <laughs> I was gay once. We all do that. when you know, We don't when need to talk about that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I knew I knew it, even bringing it up would yeah. be a contentious subject. But, I mean, even more than that, like, they expand out the, the parents. Cy Abelman fucked my son? <laughs> <laughs> but bringing up incest is great because that, like, that leads to another, like, great pop. Of course. Pl- part of the parents plot where it's like the parents ultimately have marital strife and that like he gets into a situation where his like mom calls the the pizza boy prostitute and it's just it's so great because it's like i um i mean you can kind of see like that coming to a certain point but like how that ties in with like them thinking he's gay as well like they build or uh, like a surprising amount of threads mm. here that come together. Absolutely. No, yeah, I mean, uh, well, uh, you know, all the like side characters that it kind of like threads into the plot. I love that, you know, once, you know, the titular lover boy is sent out for, 
you know, his one last job before he has all the money. Um, you know, he realizes his mom escapes out of there and he just sends the horny Italian guy that <laughs> works. He's like, can you go do Can you go fuck my mom for me, man? <laughs> Can't do this right now, man. Can you just go handle it? And uh, he goes happily and like, yeah, that turns really funny where, you know, he starts chasing after the mom because he <laughs> likes her so much. But it, it all, you know, ties in to, to the end where uh, the, the, the dad of the lover boy, the employee that the mom thought he was cheating with, you know, gets with the Italian boy and they're dancing and having a good time. <laughs> and we love to see that. We love to see people dancing and having a good time. <laughs> uh, one of his most reliable customers is uh, Christy Alley from Cheers. Uh, she is just like so mean to him and he's just like so upset because he's been working on his lover boy skills as well as his fuck game you know and uh, but then he eventually learns to dance for her uh and it's it's very sweet they they have some good scenes together i'm not generally a fan of her uh but she, she was pretty good for a couple scenes in this and yeah you see the band of husbands uh start to come together put together the evidence uh the credit cards are of course what bones them in the end Uh, but just seeing those three bozo husbands try to solve a crime or a mystery together is very funny and just the refrain of the one guy uh with the avers aviators being like you're porking my wife you're porking my wife (laughs) (laughs) that's such a funny accusation Probably some young beach boy stud with a name like Jason. Yeah, some poetry reading whip. Whoever he is, he's gonna get his face stomped. Yeah. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Ah! You broke my wheel. The blood of three. That guy reminded me of the guy who's in a lot of Matt Farley movies, who's like the club promoter in oh, Local Legends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's also, a, yeah, one of the husbands is a bodybuilder, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have Carrie Fisher as one of the customers who's like a very uh, like new age person who does body landscape photography. I, I don't know. It's just like so full of detail kind of. Yeah. It really took me back. Fun scene. That's a fun scene where, yeah. you know, Dempsey's taking pictures of Carrie Fisher. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fun stuff. <laughs> You talked about how he had to confront not sleeping with his mother. That's kind of the the last job he was going to pull. Uh, and then all comes to a head at this like tiki bar where they're having uh, the wedding anniversary of Randy's parents, this big party. And I guess that's where basically every character that has been mentioned and more uh, are all in the same room and chaos ensues. Uh he he's able to avoid getting beat up by the husband by the by the band of husbands because of the rumors of him being gay and so the band of husbands just beats up on like the bully who was trying yeah. to steal his girlfriend in perfect uh circular storytelling right yeah, and don't, don't they all get like arrested too somehow yeah. at the end <laughs> like... yeah because the fight comes crashing out of the window and like landing on a cop car basically and everyone runs away right away other than the three bozo husbands you're arrested for being cucked yeah. <laughs> Five to ten years for being cucked. Get in the car now. That, that should be a crime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we didn't mention this. This is the funniest gag of the movie when uh you know, we're in the midst of the lover boys 
and now he's in he's grinding he's going from house to house you know having a lot of sex and uh he just goes to this random woman's house who's already in a bikini in the pool and she walks out and you know it's the regular order of extra anchovies and you know, she implies just leave it right there. So he's like, "We're gonna do it right here." And he starts unbuckling his pants, and then she's like, calls the kids, and like the kids are like, "Did you get extra anchovies?" <laughs> he has to like struggle to pull his pants up before you know he's seen you know naked in front of just. I mean, just Great. around every turn, just you know, just lighthearted, funny jokes like that. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked this movie. I'm, I'm gonna go three and a half bullets on this one. It really took me by surprise. When I picked it based off the premise, I was like, okay, this will be at least fun enough. Um, but like seeing as it wasn't one of Silver's one more like acclaimed films or anything, I, I, I wasn't expecting much. I really liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, three and a half bullets. I hope it happens to me someday. I'm going to go four bullets. I really, I really like this a lot. You know, I've kind of, I've been, you know, stumbling upon kind of like these late, 80s LA comedies like another one I could think of is like Down and Out and Beverly Hills and I kind of just like the rich expensive suburban house sheen of these movies and kind of like I don't know just kind of like the light goofy jokes that ensue and I think this one's even better than the one I previously mentioned just because it's like yeah it has a great screenplay with like attention to like character detail and like you know weaving and all that stuff and you know Dempsey Dempsey gives like that, you know, that Tom Cruise style, uh, what's that risky business performance? You know, he really, he really, he really brought it. I, d- I didn't really expect that from him. So I liked it. JT. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this, uh, four bullets as well. I mean, one detail I wanted to mention, uh, that I don't think we got to was the Dempsey's outfit. And the beginning is so fucking funny when he's like a punk guy uh, with the like bleached like tips of his hair. Like he's in like a clockwork orange, like cut off T-shirt with like a skull belt. That's so fucking silly. We talked about how I don't know the the premise is very silly and ridiculous. And it's like, obviously, there's a lot of like wish fulfillment of banging all hot milfs. And that's like. That's crazy and unbelievable. But even in something as unbelievable as this, the attention to detail and like character specificity and realness and like truth that takes place in that, he still cannot get away with telling his ex girlfriend the line, I was fucking all of these MILFs for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, ultimately, there is a reconciliation with the girlfriend. That happens at the the very end. She accepts his baggage. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we might need to do a little baggage sesh after we finish recording. Um, but yeah, like in that moment where he comes clean about it at first to her, I mean, that's I don't know. It it would be stupid for him to like get off scot free right away about mm-hmm. it, and I like that like. This is something that has like such a truth of character and specificity of location that it's a, a really beautiful movie. No emails this week, but you can always hit us up at extendedclippodcast at gmail.com. Next week, uh, we are going to be joined once again. We are going to be uh, remembering the Canadians as Mike Thorne, another friend from north of the border is going to be calling in, you know, Mike Thorne, you might know him from Letterboxd uh, as a critic. He is also a writer, and he has a new horror novel coming out called Shelter for the Damned. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be reading it, talking about it with him, interviewing him a little bit about the book. 
but also it's it's classic clip baby we're doing a double feature with him we're going to be talking about i was a teenage werewolf and ken park so yeah next week's episode is going to be awesome can't wait to talk to you again <laughs> look out for that i already can't wait to see my two friends again <laughs> <laughs> all right uh anything else you guys want to plug extended clip 69 on twitter patreon.com slash extended clip very true we have a lot of good content there two dollar episodes you know it's like going to the dollar store uh we just did a series on michael shimino three episodes on all of his filmography all of his classics and his lesser known ones we got josh l on one of the episodes (laughs) and uh we know you're gonna love it if you're let's just if you have listened to this entire episode and you haven't turned it off by now you should throw us two bucks on the patreon i think that could be expected from you. I think that's that's accurate. I mean, like, also you get a little sense of community. I mean, sometimes it really it really uh, widens my my small little heart to see <laughs> um, people on Letterboxd logging the Chimino flicks. I've seen I've seen yeah, it. Yeah. People are saying it. You sure, it Chimino's back in your small little hole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought that's what you were gonna say. I got it for the record. I have a huge twelve-inch heart, twelve-inch schlonger of a heart. Look, schlong has been used to mean many different things. I'm just loving it. Widen my little hole. Because you did, I'm doing a hand gesture. I mean, it's like, like, it's the Grinch heart. My Grinch heart is growing larger. Yeah, the Grinch gave his asshole three times larger that day. (laughs) All right, goodbye. And I guess I kind of expected a sort of wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, but you're not like that at all. Oh, hey, I'm having a great time. Just be.